and welcome to episode 12 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to watch an episode of Jeopardy. This week's theme is not really a theme per se. We're digging into the newly created mailbag to answer some of your questions. We'll be discussing games we've played recently like Hospel Connect, Kingdom Builder, and Tiny Epic Western. We're going to answer a bunch of listener questions, and we'll learn a little bit about the origins of the word trivia. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie, Cassidy, and me, Crystal. Ambie, I know you've been busy recently, but what have you been playing? I've been busy playing Haspel Connect, which is the Americanized pronunciation of a German-slash-Dutch word for real servant. And these are people that operated a hand reel to get coal from underground to the surface. So Haspelknecht is a game about the discovery of coal and early coal mining. And it's a light strategic game that was released last year by Quinid Games, but it was brought to America by Capstone Games just recently. I think October it's released, so this month. So I actually played and made a rules video, which is on our website. If you've been watching our YouTube channel, you'll have seen it already, probably. <laughs> and it's really, really good. So if people haven't seen it yet, like definitely go check that out. So in Haspel Connect, the cool thing is there's a unique action selection mechanism that I haven't seen before, where different colored discs determine which actions you can do. But when you're taking the discs, you only take one color at a time. So there's different pools of discs that have a randomized setup. And so if there's a pool of three black, two yellow, and one brown or something, I can take all three black. Or if I really want to do the brown action, I just get the one brown. And you can also do that to block people from specific actions. You take those and then you do the actions. It's a pretty light game. I play it. I've only played it two players so far, but it's like an hour long. It's not exactly my type of game. So I enjoy engine building games where there's a lot of ramp up where you're starting small and then you're building up and then you get like this huge engine running. But in Haspelknecht, there's always the same actions that you can do because you g- generally get the same amount of action discs per turn. There's not that much ramp up. There's some uh, development with tech, which is fun, but th- there's not as much ramp up. But it's still a, a fun game and I'm looking forward to playing it with some other friends. And also it has, <laughs> I'm a sucker for a cute little resources and it has little uh, water drop wooden pieces that I think are really cute. That's awesome. I That actually kind of sounds like something I might enjoy more than some other games of that nature. Like, Because when you're saying it doesn't ramp up, that actually appeals to me. Because some of the games where there's like a really intense tech tree and you know, mm-hmm. like you keep building more and more things you can do, that's sometimes where when I'm playing games, I tend to be forget like what I can do or what mm. I already, you know, like I bought that thing in round one and I haven't used it for the entire game because I completely forgot it. So, And in Haspel Connect, there's a lot of different ways to get points too. Like you get a bunch of points at the end of the game for having done a bunch of different things. Very cool. And that's Haspel Connect. H-A-S-P-E-L-K-N-E-C-H-T. Ambie's a pro at spelling it now. <laughs> <laughs> I still have to look it up each time to make sure. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing a lot of uh, app, Android app board game playing lately. And on recommendations from some of our fabulous Twitter followers, I downloaded Kingdom Builder, which I'd only actually played the board game once before. And that was about two years ago. 
And I have since been obsessed with this app. I have played it every day for roughly two weeks, multiple times a day. Take a break at work, I play Kingdom Builder. Take my lunch at work, I play Kingdom Builder. Just constantly been playing it. I know it's out on iOS also, but I run uh, an Android household, so that's what we're playing it on. And it's two to four players. Uh, the board game was released in 2011 by Queen Games. And the app came out earlier this year, I believe. Yeah, that's right, earlier this year. And there is online play available for the app, which I haven't done yet because the medium level AI is destroying me. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I am not great at Kingdom Builder, even though I've played it a lot lately. Uh, anyway, I'm really enjoying this game. It's a lot of uh, just like placing your little bits down and hoping to um, score based off of the little, I want to say they're merchant cards, but that's not what they're called. Then that's the downside of the app is that it doesn't really explain what everything is. It just kind of says, hey, here's these things and you got to do things with them. So there's three different cards that are going to give you special points at the end of the game. So there's like the night where you have to put everything in a row. And the more you have in a row, the more points you get. You get two points for each thing in the row. Oh, yeah, you're putting little towns, by the way, little houses. Yeah, I think I want to say they're called settlements in the settlements. Game. They are because mm-hmm, it's just like Catan settlements. Don't say it's just like Catan. This it's that's not, not an the act. game. The game is nothing like Catan. Oh my god, no! Uh, the little settlements I, I, look just like the little settlements in Catan, though. That is a true statement. That's true. The two aspects of Kingdom Builder that are that for me make it the most unique and make it so it's incredibly replayable for being a fairly dry game and not very thematic is that the types of locations that are placed onto the board each game are different uh, based on what you draw because the board tiles have different things on them so the board will look different and have different types of things on it every time and the scoring for the game is different every time because of those cards so each game is incredibly different from the one before it yeah, each turn you're going to get a card that tells you what type of terrain you can place your settlements on, and you're going to place three settlements at a time. So one, two, three, boom. If you place them next to, I think they're cas- yeah, castles, then you're going to get three extra points at the end of the game. If you place them next to other little town markers, then you're going to get the ability of that little town marker. Some of them let you drop another settlement in a different area or on the same area or next to water or on the water just depending on what it does and then as crystal said the gameplay does change based off of the tiles that are played and um the people that give you the victory points because those are randomized which i really enjoy the coolest part about kingdom builder for me is that it's very, very easy to introduce to new people. Like whoever's doing the setup of the game needs to be pretty familiar because of all of those random elements that need to be chosen at the beginning. Which is but, why I like the app better. <laughs> There's <yeah>. no setup. <laughs> but when you teach it to a new person, literally all you have to tell them is on your turn, you place three settlements on the terrain that's on the card in front of you. That's it. Then as the game progresses and you collect some more of those little extra abilities by where you place your settlements, then it adds like maybe you get to place an extra one. Maybe you get to move one of your existing settlements. But really, as far as like getting people into the game up front, it's super easy. Can you place three houses on three different little hexes? Boom, you're in. So I don't know. That's difficult. I don't know if I can do it. 
Um, also, doesn't the game end when the first person is has placed all their settlements? Is that how it works? Because that's how it's working in the app. Yeah, once somebody's out of houses, then the game will end. So there are there is an interesting balance between how quickly you want to place all of your houses and how strategically you want to place them because it, often you can't do both really well. And I have seen people who kind of tried to rush to the finish line and get all their stuff out first to end the game, and they ended up not winning because they weren't as strategic in their placement. Right, so like they didn't put the houses or the settlements next to the river for the fishermen. Instead, they just like put them out wherever they were able to put them out. Right. Kingdom Builder is a great game. It was designed by Donald X. Vaccarino, which is the same designer who did Dominion. Um, yep. And it is... I think beautifully designed, really fun, and the variability makes it awesome because for a game that is that dry, the variability is what really brings it to life for me, is that mm-hmm. I never know what each game is going to look like. Well, for me, I like it because it does add a lot of strategy, but it's also a medium weight, so it's easy enough that I can teach to new players, but deep enough that I can still get enjoyment out of it. Absolutely. There is a game that is actually getting shipped out to backers of a Kickstarter project right now called Tiny Epic Western. It is the fourth game in the Tiny Epic series from Gamelin Games. So it was funded on Kickstarter. It's being distributed to backers right now, and I imagine retail distribution will begin soon if it hasn't already. In Tiny Epic Western... Players each control a character trying to become the most powerful tycoon in the wild, wild west. You earn influence in the form of three different resources, law, money, and force. You um, are doing a worker placement game, and if two people go to the same spot, like one of the same buildings, you have to have a duel. And there's these awesome little dice that are shaped like bullets that are just the best. <laughs> like the bullet dice alone were, were uh, like really awesome in my opinion. Wait, the dice were shaped like bullets? Yes. How does how that, does that roll? as a they, dice? Uh, they like, roll. How does that, are they like hexagonal so bullets weird. or something? Like Yes. Oh, okay. So they're six-sided bullets that you roll across the table or I mean you could toss it up there is actually a thing in the rule book where it says if it lands standing on its end it doesn't count and you have to re-roll but that <laughs> that literally never happened for us so I imagine that would be like a kind of a one in a million thing that they just had to account for so then you use money to buy different buildings and those buildings can potentially help you earn more money and they'll give you victory points at the end of the game you get to use abilities based on poker hands. Each player has a three-card poker hand, one card in their hand, and two that are out on the board. So this game, really, it's a worker placement game. It's got poker in it, and it's got a little bit of dice rolling in it. And I've only played it one time, so I don't have a final opinion on it yet, for sure. Uh, It just started shipping, and my friend backed the Kickstarter, and we got to play it at our usual weekly meetup. We did get a couple of the rules wrong, which I've since looked up online, and so I want to play it again. I don't think any of the rules that we messed up were, like, they didn't affect the gameplay too much, but it was really fun. As far as the Tiny Epic games go, so there's four total. There's Tiny Epic Kingdoms, Tiny Epic Defenders, Tiny Epic Galaxies, and now this one, Tiny Epic Western. I have only played Tiny Epic Kingdoms and this one. 
I own Tiny Epic Galaxies. I backed it on Kickstarter quite some time ago, and it has been sitting on my shelf for over a year. And it's not that I don't want to play it. I do. I want to play it. And I, for whatever reason, just have not taken the shrink wrap off yet. So I, I, I think I'm going to like Tiny Epic Galaxies quite a bit, but I just haven't played it yet. But between this one and Tiny Epic Kingdoms, I like Tiny Epic Western more. So I had some issues with the rules regarding the poker hands. Like I have a lot of experience in the casino industry and I used to play poker pretty regularly. So the way that they order the poker hands, that by itself is fine. But then the way they break ties is a little bit wonky compared to like normal three card poker rules. So I had a little bit of an issue with that, but that isn't necessarily a deal breaker. And it's something that people who aren't super familiar with poker would probably even notice. So the game is pretty simple to play. It's fun. And it comes in a tiny box, which I'm always a fan of because then it's easy to travel with. I would recommend people at least give it a look when it goes into retail distribution if it hasn't already. That is Tiny Epic Western. So for this week's thematic segment, we're going to do something a little bit different. We asked you to ask us questions online, and we got some great questions on Twitter and on BoardGameGeek from a bunch of our listeners. So thank you guys very, very much for submitting your questions, and hopefully you'll learn some interesting stuff about us in the process. So guys, the first question that I want us to answer, uh, Kathy asked... Where are you all located? Do you live in the same general area or are you spread out? And I thought this was a really good question because we've never technically and specifically said that none of us live anywhere near each other, which <laughs> is kind of an interesting fact because I would assume that a lot of podcasters all sit in the same room and have a discussion live with each other and then put that on the internet. And we don't do that. We do it a little differently. Yeah, and probably a lot of podcasters, even if they don't sit in the same room, probably met each other first, but we kind of <laughs> met online. <laughs> so um, I live in California, in the Bay Area. This is Ambi. Uh, yeah, this is Cassidy. I'm in Columbus, Ohio, so I'm the only uh, Eastern Standard Time representative on the podcast. <laughs> and this is Crystal, and I live in Las Vegas, Nevada, although I did grow up in the Midwest, so I'm a Midwestern girl at heart, but I've, <laughs> I've, been, in, I've been in Las Vegas for eight and a half years now, so I consider myself a Vegas local at this point, which, in case you're not aware, means I do not ever go to the Strip. Most people <laughs> think I live there for some reason. I don't. <laughs> well, it's like if you live in Columbus, you're obviously surrounded by cows. Of course. If you live in the Midwest anywhere, you're a farmer, right? Yeah. No. So we all met online via Reddit. We had seen some threads pop up in Reddit that were asking people to say what kinds of holes existed in the podcast sphere for board games. And one of the themes that popped up pretty frequently was that there were no all-female board game podcasts. And... All three of us, not knowing each other, all commented on that thread. And then we were like, hey, wait, maybe we could do that. <laughs> it does seem like there were some female podcasts at some point. Like when we started doing research, uh, I found 
a podcast called The Bored Dames, but they, I think, only released one or two episodes and then fell off the map, and I'm not sure why. I don't have enough information, but we were, that we know of, the first ever all-female board game podcast to regularly release episodes. And after ours released, another one released like two, literally two weeks later, which was awesome. And that's the Our Turn podcast. If you guys aren't listening to them, you should definitely head over and check them mm-hmm. out. But we were, we were super excited to see a second one pop up after us because we don't want to be the <laughs> only ones. We just, we knew that there was a hole that needed to be filled there and... So we were happy to help do that. And hopefully, I don't know, people are digging it. It seems a lot of fun for us so far. But yeah, we record. We, we, all, t- we all look at video pictures of each other on Skype when we record. And so we will be meeting for the first time as a group in person in March at MeepleCon. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> And here's another good question. What is the one stereotype about gamers like yourselves that you would like to eliminate once and for all? I personally would imagine that the person asking us this question was potentially leaning toward the fact that we are all women. And there are some stereotypes that exist in the hobby about lady gamers, whether those stereotypes happen to be true or not. So at least for me personally, not speaking for all women, I would love to have the stereotype that women are less intelligent or less able to learn games well kind of go away. I have had friends of mine who are wonderful people, like literally great people, not strangers, not whatever, mansplain things to me in the middle of games before and it is maddening it is so frustrating to be like oh i've played this game before and then have a good friend of mine in the middle of the game try and explain to me why the decision i'm making is good or bad or what my other options are and i'm like no i i know this game i've played it before please don't do that and it's an awkward situation and I don't think that most men do it maliciously. I, I don't think that it's usually done in a mean-spirited fashion. I think it's just because there is potentially a pervasive stereotype that has kind of, you know, wiggled its way into people's brains. And I would love that to disappear. Yeah, thankfully I don't see that one too much. Um, the group that I'm in is pretty heavily heavily female, which I really appreciate. One that I do see quite frequently uh, that has happened to me on many occasions, too many to count, is oh yeah, so you play board games because your boyfriend plays board games? Oh gosh. (laughs) No, my boyfriend does not play board games. I play board games because I enjoy board games. Uh, (laughs) Please stop assuming that if I'm into something that's even remotely nerdy, that it's because I have a man that is also into those things. <laughs> That's a good one. I agree with Crystal's one. That that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, my boyfriend also plays board games, so I can't say that he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, but, but you're not. Yeah. You're not. I mean, I started before. He played, yeah, yeah, right. Like that's the thing. Like 
they're assuming that, oh, so you're dating this person that is yeah. also slightly nerdier into the hobby, <laughs> so you obviously are doing it because he is, right? Like, yeah. obvi- obviously. Yeah, I haven't had that much of that, luckily, because I think most people who know me know I'm pretty nerdy. So. <laughs> that is one benefit of wearing uh, of waving your nerd flag high in daily life is people eventually get it yeah. well yeah I mean I do that I do that too it's just I do so many big public gaming events here in town and I just meet so many people that you know they don't know me and mm-hmm. they just assume and that's just how it is yeah and I think that to, to put a positive spin on this question, I do think that those stereotypes are lessening with time and as more females add their voices to both the hobby in general and especially into board gaming media. And I think that's a small, a very small piece of what we're trying to do with this podcast is to, obviously we're not representative of all women and we don't <laughs> claim to be, but just to add our voices to the mix and to let the board gaming community as a whole know that there are women that have that love games and that have cool opinions about games and that our opinions are different sometimes better sometimes worse but just as equally important and sometimes we'll beat you and you know what that's okay that's fine we're allowed to do that For another spin on the question, when I first read it, I immediately was thinking that uh, about train games, because I think a stereotype is that like people who play train games just only like train games and because they're trains or something. But a, a lot of the people who play them don't really care about trains or train themes. It's just the mechanics of the game that they enjoy. Cassidy, we're guilty of this. <laughs> hey, I know. I, I, I know I definitely am. This is Ambie's way of telling us to shut, like, shut, guys, the, knock it off. shut the front door. Stop making fun of my train games. <laughs> we're sorry, Ambie. We love you. We swear we won't make fun of your train games anymore. But it just happens that like a lot of the heavy economic games happen to be train themed because that, because that theme works really well. I know this is a tangent, but like, why does the train theme get put onto those economic games so often. Are there no other strong themes that would work in that regard? Like this, this is interesting to me because really we, we are, Cassidy and I are perpetuating that stereotype by picking on you for liking train games. And obviously we know each other well enough now that you know that we're not, but, but we're not helping. We're, we're. No, definitely not helping, especially me. Cause I've never played, I've never played any, a single game like that. So I, I'm definitely just over here being like, ah, train games and yeah. I'm being a jerk. <laughs> yeah. And, and by us being a jerk to you, we're potentially making other people be jerks to other people. And that's not cool. So Cassidy and I are going to go sit in time out for a minute. <laughs> We're going to repent and play some train games. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, more contrition. (laughs) So I think the train theme is so popular because they're a big advance in technology really fast. And so because of trains, people were able to travel to different places and people expanded everywhere. And also like the economy increased a lot from trains. So like a lot of these games that have to do with economy are about trains. Do you think it would be possible for a game, an economic game of that nature, to be themed around the creation of the internet and data technology, possibly? Yeah, so 
on Reddit. I've been doing this weekly thread about 18xx games, and one of the threads where I was asking about like other theme ideas, and someone suggested doing like the internet, and, and people were like, oh, that would be really cool. Yeah, Yay, so. I didn't cheat. I didn't actually know that. I just came <laughs> up with it on my own. Yeah. Again, kind of pulling us into a tangent. I think we actually kind of touched on an issue that not even I always realize, but I think is important in gaming culture in that I think a lot of stereotypes come from friendly comments made amongst friends. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, we weren't meaning anything bad to you, but by people hearing us do it, they might do it to other people, and then it gets perpetuated over and over again. And it's not just about train games, but about anything where you're making fun of someone in the presence of other people, even if the two people involved in the joke are okay with it, you're potentially spreading a habit to other people that is harmful. And I think that we as gamers need to be cognizant of the things that we say, not just to strangers, but to our friends as well, because that is how those stereotypes do get perpetuated. It's because you said it in a friendly manner one time, and then it eventually turns into something bad. So... Mm. Sorry to bring the the mood down a little bit, but I think that that's something that I've struggled with because I'll make comments to my friends that I would never make to a stranger, but I will sometimes do it when other people are nearby. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's not helping anybody. Good natured ribbing should only be taken to a certain point and you should just be aware of what you're saying and how other people might take it. Well, I think that's how a lot of uh, like the, board gaming hobbyist elitism like happens too right like oh you play munchkin so obviously you're not a real gamer and stuff like that kind of comes from that same vein right like absolutely yeah i'm guilty of that Uh, yeah that's oh me too (laughs) everyone else is making fun of munchkin so now it seems like the cool thing Mm -hmm. to do and admittedly once the flaws of some of the aspects of Munchkin were pointed out to me, my opinion of the game did lessen. But if somebody likes a game and has fun playing it, who are we to criticize them? Like, that's the point of gaming, is to get together around a table with people and have fun. And everyone's going to do that differently. And I still have a copy of Munchkin on my shelf. I have the Adventure Time Munchkin because I love the Adventure Time theme. So I really, I should never criticize anybody because... Gaming is about having fun, and if we're having fun, who cares what we're playing? Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I think we were hoping to get to more questions today, (laughs) but we've... And I'll I'll take the blame for some of this, but we've kind of... We've gotten into some deep discussions here. Well, I think uh, questions lead to us being able to ramble a little more than we normally would. (laughs) But we've... The discussions we've had today have been really interesting, and we we got a ton of awesome questions. So maybe what we'll start doing is, if uh, when we have time in future episodes, we'll throw in a question or two because we do have some others that we want to get to. And again, thank you guys to everybody who submitted. Anytime you want to ask us something about us, either as people or as gamers or anything, you know, feel free to post in our guild or shoot us a question on Twitter or on Facebook. We are always willing to answer your guys' questions, and if we don't answer you online, maybe we'll answer you during the show. Or this is also, we could uh, do a live stream with the questions, too. Ooh. Yeah, I like that idea. Anyone listening to this right now, if you would be interesting in 
us doing a live stream on Twitch, for instance, and answering questions live, we might be able to do that. So uh, if you're interested in that, please let us know. Because if nobody's interested, obviously, we don't have to worry about it. But if that's something that you guys would enjoy seeing, we could possibly set that up for the near-ish future. For this week's board game etymology, we're going to look at the origins of the word trivia. The word trivia is a Latin word and is the plural form of the modern Latin word trivium, meaning the place where three roads meet. The trivia in Latin denoted the three lower parts of a liberal arts education, grammar, logic, and rhetoric, which I thought was kind of interesting. So the adjectival form of the word, which is trivialis, meant public, and that is where the word trivial, meaning common or commonplace, finds its origins. Trivialis also was sometimes used simply to mean triple. Modern usage of the word trivia seems to find its definition in the early 20th century in the title of a book by Logan Pearsall called Trivialities, Bits of Information of Little Consequence which was published in 1902, but did not become popular until around 1918. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, and Board Game Geek Guild. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Have suggestions for the show? Shoot us an email at boardgameblitz at gmail.com. Until next time, my mama always said, Blitz was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Bye, everyone. Bye. We'll be discussing games we've played recently, like Hops. Oh, gosh. I'm so glad I didn't have to say that word once. I I forgot about it until I got to it, and that's why I was like, oh gosh.